Hello, welcome to the very latest Forever Blue podcast. I'm Ian Cheeseman, the host, and I have with me uh, three people tonight. We're going to be discussing the game down at West Ham, the opening Premier League game of the season. Uh, the players, how they perform, the VAR checks and anything else that crops up relating to that game. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit, throwing ahead to the next game, which is the Spurs game. Uh, there may be one or two other subject, subjects that we come up with, but that is broadly what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. Thanks very much for subscribing. Thanks very much to Charles Louis Mortgage Advisors, who are actually based near Berry who are the supporters of this podcast. I really appreciate their help. If you are looking for a mortgage or you need some advice on purchasing a house, look for their website, which is charleslouis.co.uk. Or if you search them anyway on Google, you'll find them and you can find their website and go to that. So thanks very much to them for their support. So with us today uh, are two regulars of the podcast, uh, one who is on uh, pretty much every week, uh, and that is uh, our 13th man. I'm a veteran here now. Um, feel like an absolute veteran of the Forever Blue franchise. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. franchise, I like franchise, that. Franchise, you yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, merchandise now, Ian, we're going up in the world. We've got oh, yeah, we've got T-shirts, cups, t-shirts cups, yeah. pens, pencils are on the way as well. <laughs> um, yeah, glad to be here again, Ian. Absolutely love doing it. Um, and we're back underway, aren't we? So, can't wait for tonight's. I've also got Matty, by the way, here. Hello, uh, not on as much as Harlan, but still a regular on the Forever Blue podcast. And yeah, I'm, I'm like Harlan, just happy to be talking about football again. Now, we have a guest with us today who will not be an unfamiliar voice to City fans anyway, because he's the General Secretary of the Manchester City Supporters Club, Kevin Parker, uh, but not a, necessarily a part of the squad for Forever Blue. So thanks for, for coming along, Kev. Yeah, I feel like I've been dragged off the bench today, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a while since I've uh, been on with you, in So yeah, uh, great start to the season yesterday, tickets, VAR... Supporters clubs, there's lots we can talk about, so I can hardly wait. Absolutely. Well, first thing I should say, which is a fairly obvious thing anyway, is that this is all about opinions. Um, that the people here, I don't know actually, because we haven't pre-talked about this these subjects. I don't know what their opinions are. Sometimes I'll agree. Sometimes I won't agree. Uh, whatever they say, I will try to represent you, the listener, by playing devil's advocate, which is something that I've, I've enjoyed doing for a long time now in my career. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with that basis, let's go forward. Let's, let me start by saying uh, I was down at West Ham yesterday. Fantastic game. 5-0 away from home on the opening day of the season against a team who spent a little bit of money in the summer who are quite fancied by a lot of the neutral pundits to do quite well. But for City to have done what they did, play so well um, and have such an emphatic victory, just reminds you how lucky we are as City fans. Um, It might seem a strange thing to say, but I actually thought City weren't at their absolute best in the game against West Ham. And yet, what an emphatic victory. And I have to pinch myself. I remember coming home from the game and talking to my son afterwards and uh, and just said, aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky to watch this every week, to have Pep Guardiola? And this afternoon, I've been watching a little bit of the games on TV, and within half an hour, you watch these games and you think, 
this is just not what we're used to no, watching. It's not, no, no, it's not. It's not got the fluidity. It's not got the movement. Um, and and I, again, I don't know how to say it more than how lucky are we. So we'll get on to VAR and, and maybe individuals in that performance, but that's where I stand. What about you three? Now, you can disagree. No, no, I, I fully agree. Um, it was, it's, it's always great to start the new season with a win. Um, I think 12 years ago, we won our opening day fixture against West Ham. I think it was 2-0. Bianchi was up front then. In that shirt, Fort, In that shirt, yeah, in that exact I'm, I'm shirt. I'm wearing the, the white shirt for people who are obviously listening on the, yeah. on the podcast. You've We've not got quite little... got Bianchi's hair though, have you? No, I haven't. <laughs> With a little sky blue bit round the, and this is quite appropriate for our talk on VAR, round the armpit, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so so yeah. if you can visualise that shirt, yeah. and, and if, if this bit makes it to YouTube, you'll be able to see the shirt. Yeah. And maybe you'll see the picture actually oh, yeah, afterwards. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. got a story anyway, about that, that shirt. One. Yeah, anyway, go on. It's fantastic. But, um, you're right, that was the start of the Sven era wasn't it was it, it was uh, all 7 or 8 that season um, and, and now we've got Sterling up front Sterlanchi so um, <laughs> not not, uh, not a bad progression but yeah what a way to start the season if that's us rusty then um, got out other teams when Pep gets the WD40 out because uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll definitely be uh, scoring 6 and 7 again yeah I completely agree I think first half it wasn't the greatest performance I think we looked a bit not sloppy, but we were giving the ball away a little bit. But then second half, we just sort of turned on the magic and could have had six or seven on the day if VAR didn't get involved. But yeah, it was a, it was a good performance. I mean, like you said, if you can go there and not play at your best and win 5-0, then Jesus, what's it going to be like when we do turn on the style? But yeah, brilliant day. Yeah, um, I couldn't go yesterday, so I had the fortune to a certain extent of being able to watch it on television and also see all all those VAR uh, decisions but of course the stats as well I think that's the 23rd time that Peppers won a game by five goals or more in the Premier League 23 (laughs) incredible ninth consecutive season we've won the first game of the Premier League season Um, uh, and actually I agree with you Ian I think in the first half we were just a little bit sloppy, a bit sluggish. We gave the ball away, which is not us. And um, possession-wise, I think uh, the stats at half-time were we had 57% possession and they had 43. 57 is as low as it gets for us, to be honest with you. Uh, but in the second half, obviously, they went in. Pep had a few words. And in the second half, right from the start of the second half, it was a completely different frame of mind, a completely fresher approach and comfortable at the end of the day um west ham were just glad to hear the referee i think when he it was you're going to get we we'll get lots of games now i think where there's lots of extra time at the end because of var mm-hmm. but when they put five minutes up at night you could see the west ham fans thinking oh crikey <laughs> it's only four now you know they, they'll get one two more in five minutes and we did we got the extra one so great starts to the season and um we end up, it's only one game in, but we end up top of the league, of course, which is yep. where we ended last season. So it's a great place to start. I've now uh, seen Rodri in the flesh twice. Um, so we've had a, a little bit of an example of what he's all about. 
Um, and at the moment, I'm thinking, yeah, he's a big guy. Uh, he's obviously going to add height at set pieces. Defensively, he's going to be very useful. He looks a very strong player. Um, I'm slightly concerned because he got caught in possession a couple of times about that. But I'm also thinking to myself, hang on a minute, Ian. He's played two games. He's not used to the tempo of the Premier League. It will take a little bit of time. So I haven't really got any issues with him. I don't mean it like that. But I just had a little bit of a concern yesterday and hope that when we play Tottenham this coming weekend, which is obviously quite a big test for early in the season... Uh, it, you know, do, do we want Fernandinho? Is Fernandinho going to be up to speed? Does he come back in? Does Rodri keep his place? Not questioning Rodri's ability overall, but it is a, an interesting secondary question, as it were, as well, to who I'd pick for Tottenham. I think Pep has been speaking Rodri up all the time, hasn't he? I think Rodri will start against Spurs. I agree with you. He's got caught a little bit last week. He got caught a little bit yesterday. In possession, but actually everything he's got two great, two great feet. Two yeah, great he has. Feet. Yeah, I, we, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure which which is the better meant to be the better of them. He's, he's a lot more agile than I thought. He's well. that good. He's, he can turn players. He, yeah. he he can spread a ball like you say, Kev, left or right. He's got a real eye for a pass as well. Um, and to me, even this early on, I didn't watch him too much at Atletico. I can't lie and say I've watched him for years because I haven't. But um, he seems to have. He, he seems to be like an old-fashioned central midfielder that can defend, attack player passes and also intercept balls as well. So if he's a if I can if I can put a position on him, he's probably an old fashioned all round central midfielder rather than a defensive midfielder or an attacking midfielder. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, and he probably will get caught listen, Spurs will be looking at what happened in the community shield and they'll be looking at what happened yesterday. And Pochettino will probably be saying to the uh, Spurs players, put him under a bit of pressure next week because the chan- he wants the ball, he wants the ball at his feet. Yeah. Listen, we've had this conversation in the past about John Stones where he's, he's, he's knocked the ball out from the back at times and probably he's got caught, but Pep, wants him, Pep does not want them to give up on that. He wants him to take the ball and have a look round and see whether he can play it. Spurs will put him under a little bit of pressure, I think. The great thing about that, though, is... They'll probably get two men on him. If he doesn't lose possession and we get the ball away, yeah. then that's that's us up against him, and that's when they start to panic. I think the you make ball- a great point. Sorry, Sorry Matty, yeah. you make a great point about this uh, playing out from the back. Because I was watching the EDS team today. Uh, they lost four three to Southampton, and the tide turned really when City's goalkeeper. Um, took too long in his six yard box to get rid of the ball is it Louis that? because Louis he was Morgan. no he was on the bench oh, I can't remember Morgan. the name of the keeper he's not he wasn't Daniel Grimshaw it was one I just can't bring his name to mind but I didn't really want to say his name because it wasn't about him making a mistake the point that Kevin was was making was about you know, wanting to learn to yeah, play yeah. from the back. So he got it wrong today. Mm-hmm. He made a mistake. And not just after that, there was another defender that did the same sort of thing. And it didn't quite cost City a goal, but it nearly did. And as I'm watching that, I'm thinking, don't worry about it, lads. You know, carry on doing this because the more you practice it, the more you will get it right. Yeah, and in Pep's first season, that's what City did. Yeah. And what by the second season? There's a complete contrast to the 16 17 season in the 17 in the 18. Mm. And he, he, he said on various occasions, Ian, didn't he, that he wasn't going to change his philosophy. He wasn't going to change and adapt to the English way of playing. He was going to allow the English game to adapt to his way of playing. And that is exactly what happened because if you walk, it doesn't matter what division you're looking at now, all teams are trying to base their way of playing, if they are to try and play out from the back, on the way that we do it. 
and some do get caught out. I mean, you've only got to look at last season when Huddersfield tried playing out from the back against Liverpool early on and got caught. I think that's the positive with Rodri, though. Even though he did get caught on the ball, he still showed for it. He still wanted yeah. the ball and he's got that confidence that you need in that position because he is going to get risky passes and sometimes you are going to have to be quick. But Fernandinho's the same. Newcastle away last season, he lost the ball in that position. Yeah, he gave absolutely. away a penalty. So even Fernandinho is one of the best in the world in that position. He can make that mistake, so Rodri's going to do the same, but he's only 22 and he, he looks like he's got the confidence to play in that position for us for the next eight, nine years, so I'm excited to see. At the, at, the same time, at the same time, if, 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 it, if an older midfielder, if a defensive midfielder does lose the ball, which will happen in a game, once or twice, I know Busquets is one of the best at what he does, but he does lose the ball for Barca, I've seen him do it, then if we constantly have possession of the ball, then your defenders aren't really having to work. And what I'm trying to say is, if he does lose the ball, then it's time for the centre-half to do their <laughs> job. Earning do their you know what I mean? So they're then. earning their money as well. You know? so I think it's slightly different this season, though, because we're, we're going to be... We're going to be particularly Rodri is going to be picking that ball up in the penalty box as well yeah. because this the change world. of the goal kick now that we're knocking it short within the penalty box, uh, right to Stones or left to Laporte or or just forward to Rodri, and actually he's going to be picking that ball up on quite a few occasions. I think from Edison, you know where he's only going to be ten, twelve, fourteen yards away from the goal, whereas. Last season, he would Fernandinho would be picking that ball up from outside the box. So, because he's closer to the goal, if he loses the ball there, as 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 happened in the first half yesterday with uh, uh, Lambrini or Lanzini. 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 Yeah, uh, I believe he's got a nice car in. Yeah, yeah. a nice drink as well. Um, because he lost it there, he's straight in on goal. Now that that's possibly going to happen a little bit more this season, uh, but I don't mind that to be honest with you because ninety eight times out of a hundred we're going to yeah, of course, yeah. thrive on that. You know, we're going to get that ball, we're going to get possession, we're going to get away with it. Do not change the style of play, and there's no way Pep actually will change the style of play because of one player, he'll change the player yeah. to suit the style of play. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, I bang on that. One other player I'd want to pick out, and apart from Sterling, obviously scoring a hat trick. Although even I think Raheem would admit he's probably played better than he did at West Ham. But one player I would want to pick out would be Edison. I thought Edison, whilst he he didn't have a lot to do, he made two superb saves. One, the you know the double save, yeah. uh, and his footwork and his positional play and everything was was exceptional. And sometimes in because City do win games like this emphatically. Um, I think sometimes we forget Edison, apart from his, his footwork. But those two saves, to me, showed that you know we have actually got a good quality goalkeeper between I'll the I'll tell you something, I mean, obviously not as extremely good as this one because it was in different circumstances, but the second one reminded me of Gordon Banks is from Pella. If you look at the way that he's had to stretch and, and stop it going in the bottom corner, it was actually really... Really, really you fantastic. Not, you're not old enough to remember. I don't remember seeing that live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember seeing that Fortunately, Ian and I can probably remember watching the game live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you might have to admit that, Kevin. Another player I want to mention, Ian, is somebody that, that, I've, that I've, I've, I've supported now for, well, one one season and one game, and that is Riyad Mahrez, and a player that was involved in every single goal that we scored yesterday. He was either the third player involved in the move or the actual direct assister of the goals. Um, his work rate was fantastic. His pass for Kyle Walker for the opener was slide rule. It was fantastic. You can clearly tell he's been working on that. And I think that his confidence has grown winning the African Cup of Nations with Algeria. 
Um, and I think, like I said last season, he's a confidence player. And now, now he's got a bit of a feather in his cap with Algeria. And, you know, unfortunately for Le- uh, Leroy, he's out. He will get a run in the team now, which is what we all said yeah. he needed uh, to genuinely, genuinely prove his worth. And overall yesterday, for me, um, I think he was he was my man of the match because, like I said, he was involved in absolutely everything. He was pulling strings. And I'm, re- I'm reluctant, by the way, just to interject here, I'm reluctant to, to, um, to gossip, right? Uh, it's just, just not really in my I nature. I have a feeling you're going to. Though. However, <laughs> at the EDS game today, somebody who shall remain completely nameless said to me that um, they think Leroy's injury might not be as bad as first feared um, because um, he had strapping on it when he did the injury uh, without ice uh, and that you know he'd, he'd he'd been able to sort of kick a ball about at the training ground. Now it could be that his anterior cruciate ligament is stretched rather than torn or or completely ruptured. snapped or ruptured. Now, it still might be that he's out for quite a while uh, and obviously it needs to repair, but it, that gave me a little bit of encouragement that maybe things are not quite as bad. But the secondary question to what you were saying is, do you think Mares is playing in a slightly more withdrawn role this season? Yeah, he seems like, he, he seems like he's a bit deeper and he's in a bit more of a playmaker-type role. Like, but also, listen, I, it's no fluke this. I think, you know, Leroy's first season he came, he was a, a bit hit and miss. He didn't start to play really until October. Had a reasonable season. His second season, he was unbelievable. Bernardo came his first season. He, he, he was in and out, settled. Last season, he was unbelievable. Mares, he was very comfortable last season, whether he was in the team or not. I don't think there's any fluke. I think Pep knows exactly what he's doing with these players. When he brings them in, he knows how to blend them in to get them comfortable with the the rest of the squad, to get used to the idea that he wants to play football. The thing about Mahrez is he didn't... For a Pep player, he came in at, at, not old, but he was at the higher end of the age scale that Pep normally signs players. Mm. So he'd been playing football for a long period of time. And it's difficult to change, I think, very quickly when you played football. Yeah. So maybe Pep just looked at him and thought, he needs a little bit longer. I will not be surprised at all if this season Mares becomes the player that we thought that yeah. we were going to sign if, last season. If there's one player who's going to benefit from Sane being out, it's, it's him. Yeah. It's and a combination of that. I think it's a combination of, you're right, winning the African Cup of Nations. I think, yeah, I think he will look at this opportunity and know that it's a great opportunity for him to seize. Whether Sane's out for a week, a month, three months, then Mares will be looking at that and think, this is a I've great a opportunity for me. And also, that game yesterday must have given him confidence. If you look at the players who have a point to prove, they were the ones that stood out for me yesterday. So Walker, I thought, had a really <laughs> oh, good I game. Did. With Cancelo coming in, he's under pressure now. Stones was solid. He's got question marks over him. Mares had a great game. And I think the thing with Mares and Jesus, what a great finish from him. And they're the ones who, I think, have a point to prove who weren't maybe necessarily at the best last season and are pushing to get in the first team. But Mahrez, I think, yesterday, at times last season, I thought he tried too much. He tried to do too like too many flary skill moves and all this sort of thing. He did the simple things well yesterday. And that's exactly what I think I was impressed by, is that he just kept it simple. And his assist for Sterling was brilliant. And I think, you're right, I think we are going to see the best of him this season. Yeah, I, I think City so, fans anyway. were a little bit harsh on him as well last season. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, you could almost... And we've not seen that for a while. 
you could almost sense the games that Mares came on last season. There was this impatience straight away, with particularly at home. You could sense the impatience of the well, City fans. If his first touch wasn't, you know, a thirty-yard mm. shot into the top corner of the net, oh, you know, hopefully people will have looked at what happened yesterday and, mm. and give yeah. him a little. I think bit some of the space. criticism was warranted last oh, yeah, season. Of course, yeah, I think cool. if it would have been Phil Foden, for example, people would have been a lot more lenient on him. Yeah. But because it's Mares, it's sort of like yeah. Right, let's let's move on to the uh, the elephant in the room. Oh, look, there's an elephant up there. Is that Dumbo? Uh, VAR. Oh, it's Paul. So we're going to talk about VAR for a little while. I don't want to dominate the whole podcast with VAR, but it is obviously quite an emotive subject. Uh, I I don't like it. I'll be honest with you, and uh, some people think it's great. And uh, but my objection to it, and I'd be interested to to hear what your views are on this is because I'm a regular match-going fan, so my experience of watching City is almost always inside the stadium. The things that frustrate me are the, the long delays, the fact that you don't actually know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So when the penalty was retaken, I had no idea why. None whatsoever. I heard one or two people around me saying, I think the goalkeeper moved. I heard somebody else saying something, some other reason. And then, and then eventually somebody texted me from home who'd watched it and said, no, um, uh, Declan Rice had put a foot in the, in the thing. But I didn't know that. And, and there must have been loads of people around me who, who didn't know what See, was going on. See, it's supposed to come up, Ian, because in the World Cup, it was coming up on the screen, red card review, uh, penalty review... It was. It's supposed to specify what the stoppage is for. Well, all it, all it did on the screen, I think, and I wasn't there looking at it from the on the television. All it did on the screen was put review, and then it put penalty. Yeah, exactly. Now that wasn't clear actually that the penalty had to be retaken, even though I was watching it on the television. Yeah. I'm thinking, what does penalty mean? It, it even Aguero, Aguero looks like he didn't. It know should it say meant. penalty retaken or something. The fans should be able to see what the VAR people see though, because then they're involved. Well, in, the, in, like, in the World Cup again, I mean, I'll, like, I'll go back to well. it. In the World Cup, there was on one screen there was three screens, so you could see the view of the lines being drawn on the screen. You could see the hub. And then you could also yeah, see, you see that in the, the stadium, stadium reaction. You can see that in the stadium on the big screen, oh. yeah. Well, well let, let's come to the other one, of course, which is the Raheem Sterling, who was one millimetre offside or something. Now, um, my, my personal feeling is that I, I don't mind VAR in, in, its, in the principle of VAR. I've got a problem with that. Uh, what I've got a problem with, uh, or which way round shall I say this, if, if it's for, which I thought is what it was going to be for, clear and obvious mistakes then that I absolutely buy into. When you're starting to put lines and spend three minutes analysing whether somebody's shoulder is one millimetre offside, to me it shouldn't even be used for that. If it was clearly a mistake and Raheem Sterling had got an advantage and was... You know, a full body like, of whatever, whatever you draw that line. Because I know somebody listening to this now will think, well, where do you draw the line? One millimetre, five millimetres. But, you know, well, there's an obvious error I, I can live with a referee getting a, a mis- making a mistake with one millimetre. And the reason I say that, because again, I can just hear the person shouting back at me now, saying, 
Yeah, you know, well, don't, don't you want it to be right? And goal line technology is only one millimetre, isn't it? What I'm saying is, in the stadium, it takes so much away from the enjoyment of the game. By the t- Once the, the VAR started being used in that City game, it was used about three times. By the end, it just became a joke. And people were, were doing VAR signs about every single decision. <coughs> City fans were actually shouting VAR, VAR, VAR all the time. And you were expecting a three-minute delay every time anything happened in the game now on, on TV you may perceive that differently and obviously Kevin you what you, you you normally at the game and this occasion you're watching on the TV maybe the people who watch all the games on the TV think this is great it adds more to it we get accuracy no, I hate I it in the stadium no, though I hate it at home I, I, I might get a bit of criticism for this but I didn't celebrate the third goal because I knew it was going to go to VAR so I thought there's no point me celebrating just to sit here and Wait for him to yeah, somebody said that on your blog, didn't they? Right. I mean, I, I do like VAR and, and I'm in favour of it for a, for a few reasons. If ultimately the right decisions are made, then that's for the benefit of football. This goes a long, long time back. You'll remember this game, Ian. When, when Joe Royal was manager and we went to Middlesbrough and... Um, I thought you were going to bring up Dan- Alf Gray in Liverpool. No, well, that's another one. But Danny <laughs> Tiato scored a goal where he ran from his own half we, we uh, and scored a goal. Shot ran from his own half and shot uh, from the edge of the penalty area and scored a goal. And the linesman flagged for another player being in an offside position, and we didn't win that game. Now, if we'd have got the extra two points, we wouldn't have gone down that season. And and that's why that's not going to affect us. But actually, I think for the good of football, if the decisions are made that actually mean that somebody doesn't win a cup when they shouldn't, that, that doesn't get relegated, yeah. when they shouldn't get but relegated. But that, Kevin, is a clear and obvious uh, yeah, mistake. Yeah, it is. Now, yesterday, my frustration was, with the goal that, that the third goal that Jesus scored, was those that blue line and the red line, and I quite like the idea of that, which I hadn't seen before. You could clearly see which line was Sterling and which line was the defender. They're overlapping. Now, if they're overlapping and there's a very small... The red is just touching over where the blue was. Um, th- now, for me, that's level more or less, isn't it? That's not, going to your point, a clear and obvious error. If you look at those lines and there's a gap between the two of them, if you've got a blue line and a gap and then a red line, however small it is, that's offside. Yeah. And the other thing here, just to bring this in, because that's a very good point that you're making, is that you're, when, when they freeze that picture... We're all uh, supposed to accept that that is actually the correct point, right? When the ball was yeah, the Do ball we know that the ball actually left contact with David Silver's foot at that moment when those well, lines actually, are drawn? Today, I saw a little clip of uh, BEIN, is it? Is that with Andy yeah, Gray? Andy Gray. Well, they did a different yeah. uh, version of it today that I saw, and it, it, it actually showed the point at which the ball would have left David Silver's foot to go. So the point that the ball hit. Hits and it it hits David Silver's foot and it's a straight pass. He's not cushioned it. He's not controlled it. He's come to him and he's passed it. On Bein, it showed it. And at the point that the ball hit hits David Silver's foot to go through, Raheem Sterling is not offside. So it's all about the number of frames. But in reality, the same. If you'd have used the same process that the VAR official used for the goal that was disallowed, if he'd have used the same freeze-frame analysis, he should have also disallowed the Raheem Sterling 
Mm. Actually, well, that looked more offside. Than so, the, that's why I didn't celebrate. It was almost as if, it's almost as if, because they disallowed the third goal, that VAR official sort of thought, I can't disallow another one. So I'm going to knock that frame back a little bit and make it look like Raheem Sterling is onside. Now, Raheem was onside, but he was also onside for the, for the Jesus goal. But the official just knocked it on a couple of frames. And if it's that fine a margin, you can't wipe a goal off for me. You can't. You can't wipe that goal off for we me. Can't, we so can't. I am a fan of VAR. Hopefully, listen, that's the first real game that VAR has been used in the Premier League where there's been any contentious decisions. Hopefully, over a period of time, it will... Uh, it, over a period of time, it will set, it will settle down and it make itself look right. Um, will, who's, who does the filming for us and who's always this silent voice in the background, has just said, oh, and this is you know, it take twenty five frames a second, isn't it? Twenty four frames a second. That's what he was saying. Yeah. So, so you know, you, you you are talking about splits. The other thing is, of course, in a lot of them, I'm not saying this one necessarily. One player's running one way and the other player's playing the other. Now, if like that's happening... angles and... Yeah, and if that's happening at speed, to be able to get that so accurate, to me, you've got to let the on-field officials make the decision and only a clear and obvious mistake. And for me, as a match-going spectator, just as you've expressed, Matty, it takes away that moment of celebration. Yes, we all want the decisions to be right, no, I am in favour of VAR in principle, but let's not spoil the game. Exactly. What worries me is, though, I thought offsides would be like the least controversial thing about VAR. Yeah. I thought that's the one where it's either going to be offside or on. We've still got handballs that are going to come into it, fouls, dives. Yeah, well, actually, we're going to have plenty There's been a goal today, hasn't there? And actually, it's come back so, to. <laughs> Willie Bowley. Willie Bowley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've had a goal disallowed today, haven't they? Uh, Wolves, where it's hit his hand and it's gone on to the Wolves player and he scored. Apparently, no, nobody yeah. at the game, appeal, Leicester players didn't appeal for anything. And the referee initially gave the goal and it, and it moved on. But then it, the uh, VAR official has said, well, it's hit his hand. It did give him an advantage, through. though, as well. It knocked it right well, to can, Dunker's path. That, that so. is rule is this season, isn't it? If, if it hits your hand or your arm this season in an attacking process, whether it's deliberate or not, you can't give a goal. What I will say is that um, this is going to be an ongoing debate. We're, we're discussing this on the day when City have won, or the day after the game when City have won 5 0. So this debate isn't coming from a point of view of we've been hard done yeah. by or robbed or something, because City cruised to a 5 0 victory and it didn't have any impact, VAR, but it on the outcome of the game. You mentioned Edison before. If I got that goal was disallowed and then five minutes later Edison had made that double save. If it had been 2 0, and gone to to two one. What impact could that have had on the game? But looking back at what Kev's saying about the impact it has on the game, we were kind of denied progression in the Champions League last year because of something oh, very, of very, very 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 similar. Although which actually, was so 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 so. Funny. He's offside. I'm going to be dead controversial now. Uh, people said that Lorente's goal should have been disallowed. I think it hit his thigh and went in. And oh, no, definitely his elbow in. Come on. <laughs> but, but with regards, with, with regards to the Aguero one. For me, my view on it was, has it left Bernardo's knee when Aguero's offside? Because you see him come back on to go... Imagine if 93-20 so moment had been brought to VAR. Oh, crikey. 
Anyway, right, let's move on. I don't, I don't want to just talk about VAR all no. the time. We've got Kevin here, General Secretary of the Supporters Club. And obviously one of the great things we've got about him being here is we can talk about the supporters club. Can we talk about VAR? <laughs> now, two or three weeks ago, we had... Because uh, Matty's on the City Matters. Uh, Matty's on the City Matters. City yeah. Matters. Works that, doesn't it? Uh, and, and obviously represents the 18 to 25 group. And a lot of discussion has been about ticket sales and point systems and all the rest of it. And at the time... Um, we tried to represent all the different views, and I tried to explain. Listen back to that one. You know how tickets <laughs> are split. Back. Now we don't know exact numbers. We don't know exact percentages. But a a percentage of the tickets goes to the supporters club. Now I declare uh, that I've been a member of the supporters club. Although technically, I, I don't know if I am actually a member at the moment. But effectively, I've been a member of the supporters club since the nineteen seventies. Uh, when I joined Sion M branch, um, I've been a, like a vice president of a couple of branches since then. Um, and, and, I, and obviously I'm very close to the supporters club. But because I was a journalist for a while, I couldn't be a member of the supporters club. So I'm, the only reason I'm waffling on about all this is that obviously I have a connection to the supporters club. And I personally think it's, it's brilliant. So there's my agenda, right? I'm now going to try and step back from it and look at it from the point of view of the people from the outside and say the supporters club get an allocation of tickets. Is that right, Kevin? We do. And listen, there's no secret. You talk about percentages because we've discussed these at uh, uh, City Matters meeting and the information has been released. We're all comfortable about that information being released. We get 20% of the ticket allocation that the club get, the supporters club get 20% for us to distribute out amongst our members, uh, official members of the supporters club. That's not changed. That allocation has been in place for a, a considerable number of years. Listen, I've been General Secretary for 20 years this year, and, we, and we've always had 20%. The only difference now, to a certain extent, is we, there, there was a time, believe it or not, that we used to get 20% and think, how are we going to get rid of them? <laughs> Seriously. And, and now we get 20% and think, oh, crikey, that's going to be difficult to... A, a hard job to actually do 20% and make everybody feel as if they've got a share. And that is the difference. People look from the outside in and think that we're taking advantage of the system. We're not. It's it's a li- little bit like rough and smooth. You know, uh, it's like loyalty points. We talked about it at the City Matters meeting the other night, Matty. Loyalty points were originally introduced by the club to try and encourage to buy tickets when the club couldn't sell them. We have not always been a football club that gets an allocation of way tickets and people are banging on the windows to, to buy them. There was a point when, as good as our point has been, that if you get an allocation of way tickets and you take the full allocation, the club are obligated that if they take the full allocation, that even if they don't sell them to their supporters, they have to pay for them. And we're talking at a time when tickets were £30. We're talking at a time when away tickets could have been 40 50 65 So loyalty points were actually introduced by the club at, at the time to try and encourage people to buy tickets, to get loyalty points, just in case at one point in the next millennium we might get to Wembley. That's how bad it used to be at one time. And if we do get to Wembley, then if you've got loyalty points, you'll get a ticket. So things do change overnight. But one thing that hasn't changed is that we, we took the... We, we've had the 20% for 20, 30 years, and we've still got it now. The Supporters Club as an organisation, we're in our 70th year. We've supported the club through all of that period of time. We get some benefit from that now. 
But, you know, there were periods of time under Peter Swales. We used to have a little office at, at Main Road. You remember it well, where we had a, a, an office that we actually used to use to, tell, to sell travel club things. We bought that little office off the club under Peter Swales, and we paid £25,000 for that. And the reason we paid £25,000 for that little office is the club were desperate for, for the money. Now, when Main Road was sold and we moved to the new stadium, nobody came to the supporters club and said, that little bit of office that you've got there, we know that you paid £25,000 for that. So I tell you what we'll do is we'll give you the twenty-five grand back. Think of us anything for that. But that's a little bit like the rough and the smooth of it. We, we didn't mind because we had a fantastic relationship with the club. Do I understand why people ask the question, why did the supporters get an allocation? Yeah, I do sort of understand why they ask that question. The only way I can answer it is, it's a little bit historical. It's a little bit to repay the loyalty that we've shown to the club over the years. The only slight difference is, to a certain extent, is season card holders get 40%. Is it 40%? 60%. Now, the number of season card holders hasn't really changed. We've had 40,000 season card holders for a considerable while. When we got 20%, originally, we probably had 7,000 members of the supporters club and 40 branches. Now we've got over 280 branches worldwide. We've got over 20,000 members. So the reality is our 20% has to be shared amongst a much bigger figure than originally it had to. We are very lucky, you know, we've built up a, a great relationship with the football club over the years and we're, lo- we're lucky that we're still in a position that we, that we have that relationship. But I don't honestly think that we're uh, getting anything that we don't deserve. People would, of course, say, well, I, I, I would think that because I'm the general secretary. But I honestly think that... It, we are a fantastic football club. We've got a great relationship with our fan base. And even when the new owners came in, they talk about the history of the football club and not forgetting that history. And I think it, it's very good that no matter what's happened at the football club, they've still remembered the part that the supporters club have played with them over the years. 70 years we've been going this year. It's not a newfangled thing, you know, that's suddenly been set up by a few people well, let's form a supporters club so we can get some tickets. No, we've been going 70 well, years. Well, everything you're saying makes complete sense, but I am going to challenge it. Absolutely. It's job, right? Um, so on behalf of some supporters, they would say, we hear about, new. You, you've talked about 280 now as the number of branches, and that, for example, one new one, and I, I don't mean to single them out. No, no, you can. Using them as an example, because I know they've just literally started doing a Twitter account and followed me and everything, so I've noticed them. I think there's one in Jersey, I think it's called New Jersey Blues or something. Oh, in America, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know anything about this now, but the sceptics on the outside would say, all you do now to get a ticket if you can't get one, is create a new supporters club like this New Jersey one and they'll suddenly now be able to, entitled to two tickets whenever they want because they'll get them through the supporters club. How's that fair when I have been going for the last 50 years, home and away, blah, 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 and some person from New Jersey gets a ticket? So what do you say to those people? Well, it's very... Listen... I don't mean that against New Jersey. No, no, don't, no. Don't. But you're, it, I'm glad you... I thought about the, that earlier. I, I'm quite glad you've raised that question, really. Listen, the majority of the supporters club branches that we open these days are, are overseas branches. 
more than 50% of our branches now are overseas. And in fact, I made a, a little list earlier of these are the areas in which we've recently opened supporters club branches. India, China, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, United States, Canada, Australia, Chile, South Africa, Japan, Bulgaria, Egypt, Cyprus, Brazil, Peru, Mexico. You know, that, that, those branches are being opened all the time. The reality is those branches are not opening so they can get tickets. It's very, very rare that an overseas branch wants a ticket for an away game. If they do want a ticket, the chances are that they'll want a ticket for a home game. Because if you're a City fan and you live abroad, the first thing you want yeah. to do is to come to the Etihad. In the nicest way, you don't want to go to the Olympic Stadium. You don't want to go to uh, the Emirates. You don't want to go to Anfield. You might want to do that at some stage in the future, but what you want to do is to go to the Etihad. And the reality is, it's easier to get a ticket for a home game than it is for an away one. So very, very few of the international branches that open ask for away tickets. Where they do, we then become quite particular about who's asking for them. Because, of course, what we don't want to happen, and this has happened, which is why we check this, what we don't want to happen is somebody to open up a supporters club branch in New Mexico, shall we say, and then, then somebody who lives in Blakely decides to join the New Mexico branch. I've already also heard people <laughs> yeah. saying that happens. And it, Listen, it ha- can I say it hasn't happened in the past? It has happened in the past. And you can't spot it the first time round because actually I might get a request from Japan for two tickets for an away game and, and if things work out, you'll allocate the tickets. As a one-off, it can happen. What becomes a little bit suspicious is then Japan asks for a ticket for the next away game and then we start to check into it and we ask them the question, who are these tickets for? Oh, well, it's one of our UK-based support. That supply line is stopped straight away. So we do try and investigate as much as we possibly can and, and, and try and stop that happening. And we do warn our branches that they need to be aware that they shouldn't start to accept applications from overseas members who then want them to ask for tickets on their behalf. We try and police it as much as we possibly can. It's not absolutely watertight, but we do as much as we possibly can. Remembering that... We are, we're all volunteers as well, you know, we, we've got our, our own jobs to do and, and I've got 280 branches plus that I need to check that are they honestly asking for tickets for members who are, who are living in the particular area that the branch has been set up. So, but even if, even if they do get a, a ticket, the reality is that our 20% hasn't changed. All that actually happens, all that, all that means is that one of the other branches loses out tickets. We don't get extra tickets just because we've opened branches overseas. It the num- so it stays at 20%? Yeah, the number, of tickets, so the number of tickets we've got stays the same. I just have to try and spread those tickets out oh, yeah. amongst a greater number of branches. So if the 20% was over 20 branches, which obviously numbers a lot more than that, yeah. then if there's 40 branches, you just have to disperse them tickets. Yeah, nobody's across. getting it. In fact, the reality is quite a lot of our branches are ended up getting... Less tickets. But I understand, I do understand, honestly, that if I'm not a member of a supporters club and I'm a season card holder and I see somebody who's getting a ticket when I'm not getting a ticket, I'm a little bit bitter about that and I want to know why that's happening. And I have 
sympathy and empathy with them. But I honestly think that the ticket allocation that we get, we deserve. And we do try our very best to make sure that those tickets are allocated to the right people. Unfortunately, and this is part of what we discuss in our City Matters meetings, and this is all about collective venue and no points for away uh, tickets anymore. What we can't 100% control is if we allocate tickets to a branch, we can't 100% be sure who they're passing the tickets onto within the branch. And that's, I don't want to go onto the whole City Matters and no loyalty points and collecting destination and 18 to 25, but believe me, the idea behind all of those things was to try and make sure as many of the tickets end, ended up into the hands of the people who genuinely have purchased them for themselves rather than them buying them and passing them on. And we're trying to set those same ground rules within the supporters club as well. Well, I hope you come in and explaining that. Um, whether people agree with it or not is up to them, but, but at least... It shows a certain transparency. Now, I don't watch you work. In, I, don't, I don't sit over your shoulder while you do this, but I've known you long enough, Kevin, uh, and, and just from listening to what you talk about, I'm sure even the two lads here uh, will agree with me, that I, I actually don't know how you do what you do with a full-time job and 280 branches and all this juggling, and the games come thick and fast. And, and I know people obviously contact you and ask for tickets through branches, and I think, how, how on earth does he do all this? You must, you must be awake 24 hours a yeah, day. Yeah, it's a combination of Valium and alcohol, I think. <laughs> but but, but, but it, the, the serious bit of this is that it comes through. Now, there'll be sceptics out there, and for all I know, I'm not accusing thee of this, of course, you could be doing all sorts of things underhand that I don't know about, but on the face of it, it, you seem to me to be an extremely ethical person who really cares and wants to do things the right way and, and weed out the sort of problems, as it were, and make sure everything's done very fairly. And I don't think anybody can ask any more than that, whether they agree with the supporters club having a 20% allocation or not. Well, it's nice you to say that, and you know, we haven't, we ha- I haven't set you up to say that beforehand, though, uh, anybody who's listening, I guarantee. But listen, I, I try my best, and I do understand people from outside the organisation being envious and critical of the ticket allocation. But believe me, there are also people within our uh, our organisation who question who gets the tickets and why does that branch get two and why does that branch get four and why do they get three and why have they not got any at all? Tickets are a very, very emotive thing. So I would never, ever be critical of somebody questioning why we get the tickets and what I do with the tickets. All I can do is honest answer as honestly as I possibly can and hopefully people accept that I mean when the whole 18 to 25 and and no loyalty points and collecting destination thing came out you know there was one particular guy on Twitter who was who I don't know from from Adam who was quite derogatory about me for some reason I'm only one member of uh, nine on the city matters committee and the question was I bet it doesn't stop him from getting a ticket with a photograph of me well no, it doesn't stop me from getting a ticket. I've had a, I've had a season card now for forty-five consecutive years. The reality is that I've had more than one season ticket because I buy my sons and my nephew and what have you. I do not use the supporters club scheme to apply for a ticket for me. I don't need to. I've got enough loyalty points, and I use the club's loyalty point scheme to get my tickets. Because it would be selfish of me to use the the, the supporters club scheme to take tickets for myself. 
when I can use a loyalty point scheme, that means somebody else can, within the supporters club can benefit. And going back to the guy who posted the comment on Twitter, I don't know him. I, I honestly don't know him. I would rather he, it was somebody I did know that he then tweeted me direct, DM it, if that, whatever you call it, and say, can you explain to me what this is all about? Do you use the system to get your own ticket? Uh, do you think it's fair? I'll do that all day long. And I'm not saying, I am absolutely not saying that what, 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 it's 100% perfect. It's not. It's a little bit like the, the tickets that the club allocate. Do we think it's 100% perfect? No, we don't. But we're just trying to make it better. And if ultimately the club came along and said, listen, Kevin, we're going to reduce your allocation by, from this percentage to that allocation, I would fight long and hard and, and to a certain extent, I've had to justify that in our meetings uh, as to why we should get it. But ultimately, if the club came back with a justifiable reason as to why our allocation is being reduced or withdrawn, if it's, if it's fair, it's fair, isn't it? I would fight against anything that's not fair. But if it's fair, then I'll listen to anything. Well, thank you very much for, for going into that in such great depth. You wouldn't get that type of platform hopefully lots of people share this and, and let people hear what you've said what about just to conclude this before we move back to football matters what about you two you've you've listened to this i know you you're on the city matters yeah. committee matters so, uh, matty so you've already knew maybe a little bit of this but you two are both outsiders i've yeah. been in the supporters club a long time yeah. kevin lives and breathes it what about you two what, yeah. what do you think of what he well, said I, I also wanted to say something before i actually give my opinion on it Ian, and and it, it's to the fan base, really. And I think something that our fan base do quite wrongly sometimes is they listen to what somebody has to say and they argue with it for argument's sake. I think people need to actually listen to what Kev's just said and actually take it in and actually realise that he's actually taken the time out there for a large period of the podcast to, to, to really, like you said, be transparent and, and give clarity to, to the questions people are asking because... If people continue to ask questions but not listen to the replies, then they're never going to be able to get hold of what he's trying to explain. Well, I certainly hope, rather than the, the sort of soundbite uh, world that we live in, that people listen to the whole of what Kevin said. Yeah, because said. people can be quite selective sometimes, yeah, and, yeah. and people can just kind of go, oh, Kev Parker's on there. still disagree with it, by the way, but you, yeah, yeah, at least you've heard it. But, but please just listen to it wholly, and then try and educate yourself on the best way to kind of think about it going forward because people can be quite selective at the times. thing that frustrates me is people don't really ever want to have a conversation they just want like you're not going to gain anything tweeting out derogatory comments about people just for a few likes on twitter what is that achieving if you actually have a conversation with someone you might learn something you don't have to agree with any there'll be things that you said there that people won't agree with but that's fine we're not all going to agree on everything but if you actually have a conversation you might learn something from them they mm -hmm. might say something that you go oh i didn't see it like that and having that conversation that's how you make progress is actually talking to people not just writing complaining all the time like if you actually get in touch and have a conversation with me or kevin or anyone on city matters if that's what we're going to talk about then then you're going to get a lot further than if you say oh them city Matters bunch of I'm not going to say it, but what I, the tweet I saw, that, that frustrates me because it's like you've not once tried to have a conversation with me, try and understand what we're trying to achieve or put your own comments forward or your own ideas that we can then pass on. That's what I want people to do because 
we're all City fans at the end of the day. We all care about the club. I care about the supporters because I am one and I want to do the best and I'm sure Kevin's the same. I want to do the best to make things positive for City. I don't want people talking negatively about us because we're trying to do positive things but I, I understand people are going to have grievances and people aren't going to agree with everything. That's fine but just have a conversation rather than and talking. The other thing I want to add as well is the bigger the club's got the less unity I believe there is between the fan base now I feel like the bigger we've got the fan base has started to kind of divide um, you know fans have started to argue a lot more especially with how big social media has become yeah. um, when we were going through troubles everybody knew we had to stick together uh, we had to to be city as people say and, and we just had to be ourselves now the fan base kind of finger point more because because we're a bigger club and, and, and I can't kind of make sense of that sometimes you know I often find like that you're on the, the receiving end of like you said abuse when years ago you might not have been on the receiving end of that because people would have seen it as it is yeah. um, I think for me as well it, it, you know it's just with regards to them I'm not going to go into it now but with regards to to the, the under 25s I'm probably only going to get a year's benefit out of that because I turned 26 in November so for this season hopefully I'll be able to get to a few more away games um, and you mentioned a few weeks ago, Ian, obviously you've been 100%, 150% dedicated to, to doing everything you possibly can to get to every single game. Unfortunately, um, I've not done the same as you, um, but if I could get a ticket to every single game, I would I would move earth and, and, and mountains to get to every single game if I had the finances to do it, and I also had the ability to do that. But... For me, obviously, I'm going to be chuffed. I am going to be happy that I'm going to be able to get more access to tickets now. But one thing I do want to say to the larger uh, fan base is that because you go to away games and because you've got access to them away games, it doesn't always mean you're a bigger or better fan than somebody that isn't going to that game, which you always say yourself. And I know lads that do get tickets that aren't that, that big of City fans anymore. They are quite fickle. And they're the same kind of guys that you would probably imagine being in the ground on a match day, criticising players, criticising Pep, calling the players, coming out the ground, ranting on social media about how poor the club is. But why are you going supporting us at matches then, if you really feel like that? Because I can guarantee, on a match day, my shirt's ready the night before, I dedicate my whole day to City if I'm watching it on TV, and I treat it exactly as if I was at the game when it's on TV. And I know that at times, I probably am a lot more dedicated in my own home to City than some people are that are in the ground. Right, okay. Well, thanks for that passioned uh, um, uh, little speech there, Harlan. Um, I hope that, that you, you share and spread the word now and say, listen, listen to what Kevin said on this. Listen to some of the other podcasts that we've done where we've gone into this sort of stuff. But just to conclude this week's podcast now, the next game, of course, is against Tottenham. Oh, I should very briefly say as well that the Supporters Club dinner, which is the 70th anniversary dinner, is actually, as we're recording this on a Sunday evening, a week tonight. Um, so just a very quick word on that, Kevin. I presume that's going to be something special, is it? We hope so, yeah. Listen, we've got some former players come along, City supporting celebrities. We've got 400 uh, members of uh, different supporters club branches coming along, including referring to some of our international uh, branches. Melbourne are coming along, Switzerland, 
Belgium, we've got branches from Ireland, we've got Washington, Tallahassee, which is one of our new branches in America. So, And of course, some of the old faithful, we've got branches coming along who have been uh, around since we were formed in 1949. Brooks Bar. Brooks Bar being the oldest of our branches. So we're looking forward to a really great night. Um, And the main aim, of course, of the dinner, apart from us celebrating 70 years and having uh, a really good night is to raise money for city in the community. It's all we we the one point I didn't make before is all of our members raise twelve thousand pounds just from subs alone that we distribute amongst local charities. On top of that, we uh, we raise somewhere between, including the dinner and subscriptions, we raise somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand pounds a year for city in the community. So there are lots of good things that the supporters club do. And, and next Sunday we one of the great ones. We can have a great night and raise money for the city and the community as well. I'll be there. I'm looking forward to where, it. Where right. is this, where is this at, Ian? Uh, uh, yeah, where is it? It's at Manchester uh, Central. Oh, yeah, the old yeah. G-Max. G-Max, oh, yeah. yeah. Right, so Tottenham. Um, first home game. It's a pretty tough one to start off with. Uh, I know they came from behind to win their opening game against Aston Villa. Harry Kane scored, of course. Uh, we've talked about the City-West Ham game as perhaps in patches not quite up to City's level. But this is one, isn't it? Tottenham. We remember the yeah. games last year. The home game was the 1-0 victory just after, I think Phil Foden scored in it, yeah. just after the two games in the Champions League. And this feels enormous. I mean, to me, it feels like it's going to be... I know United have, have won their opening game quite convincingly, but I'm still convinced it's going to be City, Liverpool and Spurs as the th- three main protagonists. So, straight away, you're playing one of your two main rivals. How important is this game and how confident are you, based on what we've seen so far, that City will, will beat Tottenham? Uh, it's very important because it's the next game. I don't want to sound like Pep. It's very important because it's the next you game. You can sound like Pep, you know. Yeah. He's a genius. You get in trouble, you, get <laughs> in trouble you start to sound like Pep. But it's very important because it's the next game, definitely. Um, I'm confident because we're, we're, we're just that good. Listen, we've won 15 Premier League games on the run now. Uh, we'll be looking to break our own record. Uh, Tottenham are a very, very good football team, but they're not at our level. That's my honest opinion of them it will be difficult because it's the start of the season it's it's a little bit of a leveler to be honest with you um but am i worried no uh, do i think we'll win yes but i hope the players aren't as complaint as complacent <laughs> as i'm making it sound i am bernardo presumably starts next yeah, week doesn't yeah, he yeah definitely and um i'm just happy to get back who does he replace um it's a difficult one um i'd probably say that david silver even though he is captain now would probably be the player in that midfield that would probably make way for Bernardo if Bernardo was to go into that attacking midfield role. I wouldn't drop Mares at all. Um, I think Mares has to stay on that right-hand side for me. Um, and Sterling looked yesterday to be playing a bit more central as well, playing off Jesus. But I think Aguero will start against Tottenham. I'm just excited to be back in. Just can't. Well, wait you answered yeah. one question. Yeah, I, mean, exactly, I don't think I'd drop Mares. You would I, I think him. he had a good game against um, West Ham, but I think. Bernardo's more suited to Tottenham, and that, that's yeah, why just, that's I why just, you have rotation. I just prefer Bernardo more central on me. I just think he can affect the yeah, game I a lot agree more. With you. Yeah, and and I think that you know Danny Rose yesterday for Spurs looked quite suspect, and I think that with Mahrez's confidence being as high as it will be now, and with him having that trickery and flair, I really think he can trouble Tottenham on that right side. I think whoever starts, I will have no complaints. Yeah, because our squad is so strong. When I looked at the bench on Saturday, I was like, that is ridiculous. Have you seen the picture like, going? Well, there's various pictures. Have you seen the strength in depth on 
I yeah, think it's, 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 well, it's Mourinho, quite frightening. Mourinho earlier said our B team could compete for this league. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like you. I'm just happy to be back. I think it will be a tough game. I slightly disagree. I don't think Tottenham can challenge for the title. Every year I look at them and I think they're one world-class player away from being able to compete. And I say the same this year. I think they do have dangers we have to be careful of. Some incredible player. I really Hendon like Bale him. is in there now, though. Let's not forget. He's you know, he's, yeah, he's he, he ran the show against us for Leon, didn't he, in Kane, the Champions League? Kane so. can always score. So there are. There is, it's definitely going to be a difficult game, but I think... It, it's impossible at the moment to not go into every game feeling like we're going to win it. So Yeah, I'm I mean, I, it's funny because I do look at the opposition, but I never worry about them because I, I always think they've got to get the ball first. And I referred earlier to the, our possession against West Ham being 57% at half-time. The, the amazing thing about this football team is we get the ball and we keep the ball. And no matter how good the opposition players are, they've got to get the ball to, to put us under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I just can't see that that Spurs are in a position to be able to do that and also once we've got the Spurs game out of the way we don't play another team that finished in the top six last season until November the 11th I think it is and that's Liverpool so this is a great opportunity for us the right result against Spurs next week really sets us up for a a good run of fixtures no game is easy in in the Premier League and I don't want that to just sound like a soundbite it's not, but... Use that as a soundbite, Will. <laughs> <laughs> but... Oh, there's no, no going, coming here. Look at this, no, this nobody's gap now. No, nobody's going to get close to us this season. I I, and and I'm, not, you know, I'm not that sort of City fan. I'm not, there's not an arrogance about me. I don't think anybody's going to get close to us this season. Liverpool cannot repeat what they did last season, whereas no. we can. All the pundits saying, though, we can't repeat it again. Well, well we, can. we proved we, we can. can. Yeah. We've we, already proved we can. We were asked after we won the league and we got 100 points whether we could, whether we could not, not match it, whether we could defend our title. We stood up, we were counted and we did it. And to become the fifth side ever to win three titles in a row, for me... Is something that I think the players, Pep, and we will get behind, and I think we'll be with them all the way through. And if we do it, Ian, and we can win one other domestic trophy for me, it'll be some. Well, Rio Ferdinand said, on, and we know who he used to play for, but Rio Ferdinand actually Leeds said yesterday, he for, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he said <laughs> mm. that Pep will not be speaking to the City squad about winning it th- three times. He'll be speaking to them about winning it four times on the run. He said, because the most difficult bit winning it twice is over. Nobody's won it four times on the run. He said, that is what Pep will be speaking to this squad about. Get this one out of the way and then we can really go and set the record by winning it four. And if Rio Ferdinand is saying, he's been in this game a long time and as much as we don't like him for who he used to play for, he does yeah, know the game. And he's, been, he's been quite yeah. complimentary about City, hasn't he, recently. And I, I do believe that... that, that 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 is probably what Pepe's saying. Ten points will win it by this year. I yeah, think. I can see that. At ten points, but I agree with what you said, Ian. Yesterday, we're going into this season feeling a lot less pressure than we did last season, and that was prior to a ball even being kicked. I think the pressure was because we knew that the season ahead was the one where we had to defend the title. This one feels like we can just enjoy this season, unless the media decide that when it gets to halfway, whoever's in that second place position behind us unless the media decide to cause a bit of a storm again and try and create another rivalry that doesn't really exist, I think we'll be all right. On that bombshell, <laughs> we'll, end, uh, we'll end this podcast with big thanks to Kevin Parker from the Supporters Club, the General Secretary, uh, to uh, our 13th man and to Matty Dove for being the guest. Thanks very much to Charles Louis uh, 
mortgage advisors and you can find them by looking on the website or you can I sometimes put the link on my Twitter account when I promote the podcast so thanks very much for supporting us uh, if you need to buy a mortgage or you need some advice go to them because it's run by a city fan uh, Dave and obviously he's supporting the podcast so you support him back and ensure that his support is is valued um, if you go into the supporters club do next week I'll see you there as Kevin will no doubt uh, not sure when we'll be calling the next podcast because normally we do it on Sunday and it's just twigged in my mind that it's not going to be it's either going to be earlier in sun on Sunday or it's going to have to be on Monday night but either way there will be a podcast next week um Meanwhile, I'll see if I'm out. If you're out and about at the stadium uh, against Spurs, because I'll be vlogging, and we'll see you with the next podcast next time. Thank you.